Hey everyone, welcome back to this episode of Three Levels Renewable Podcast, where we discuss, explore, and try to answer the ultimate question of how us human live in harmony with Earth and all the animals that we share this planet with. So today's episode is inspired by a couple of seminars that I went recently, and then a couple of conversation that I had with folks. And the question goes back to how are we gonna do a more accurate carbon accounting? To help entities like governments and financial institutions, who often provide incentives and subsidies for projects that contribute to clean fuel production like hydrogen and carbon reduction goals like direct air capture facilities, I know we have had episodes in the past that talk about carbon accounting, especially how government do it, what are the industrial best practices, and what is the general rule and how to do that. But today we're going to focus on the、uh, the indirect emissions, the unwanted secondary emissions coming out of the renewable project. How do we think about that? All right. The documentation that we're going to talk about today is put out by DOE Department of Energy back in December for IRA Inflation Reduction Act instruction. So this is an article that talks about Section 45V credit for the production of clean hydrogen. It discusses how the credit can be used and then the different rules that can apply. This article also goes into details about how to determine the life cycle. Greenhouse gas emission rates for qualified clean hydrogen. Some important points are the credits is only available for clean hydrogen production, and those are specific rules for how to calculate the emission rates.、Uh, I know this document is only for clean hydrogen, but in reality, is absolutely applicable to a lot of the、uh, other renewable projects that are seemingly low emission, but actually has an emission impact that we wanted to take into considerations. All right, let's get started. The first question that we have is how to measure the carbon impact for a renewable energy project. We obviously want a robust methodology that is essentially for accurately measuring the net CO two impact in any renewable projects. I'm talking about hydrogen production. I'm talking about direct air capture. I know it's easy and relatively straightforward to account for the emissions coming directly out of the business of the project. For example, the process of producing hydrogen, the process of recovering CO two from the atmospheres. All of these direct emissions are very easy to calculate, and then it's already being streamlined by many many processes out there. But have we considered the emissions from the materials that used in the process, the emission from the electricity uses in the process, and the secondary impacts of energy demand, which is the emissions tied to the grid system response to the energy demand from the renewable energy project? Say, if I have a new hydrogen production plant. And I am getting a hundred percent renewable electricity from the grid. It's good for me, but am I using up too much resources? So other users that share the same grid will have to use more emission-intensive resources, like from oil and gas. Will that be a problem? And can I prove that I'm not creating a problem like that? All right. So today we're gonna try to answer the questions of how to measure the indirect emissions for a renewable project. We're gonna start with how to calculate emissions from the material used in the process. 
we wanted to start by tracking all of the materials used throughout the process, which includes the type of materials and then the amount or quantities of all of the materials used. And then using a comprehensive LCA data, that's life cycle analysis data that captures all of the emissions from the very beginning to the final product. Uh, we can obtain all this from either public literature resources or material providers. And then with this, we can calculate the emission impact for the materials. And for the electricities, we definitely wanted to track the type and amount of electricities and heat used for plant operations. If the project relies on grid electricities, mostly generation mix, and then the respective emission factors should be collected from the uh, electricity provider or local utilities. We can use average emission rate from the past for calculation, or we can also use is what we called a short-run marginal emission rates for calculations to assess the impact of the power procurement. So the short-run marginal emission rate is an electricity emission rate more closely tied to the specific type of generator uses in a fixed system as opposed to long-run marginal emission rate, which reflects the structural changes and long-term investment decisions in their emission rate. And for facilities who choose this to use energy attribute certificates, and that is RACs, Renewable Energy Credits, PPA, Power Purchase Agreements, they can follow three criterias. The first one is incrementality, the second one is temporal matching, and the third one is deliverability. So let's go over them one by one. The first one is incrementality, which requires the racks to be associated with a electricity generated from a new clean source of um, renewable energy project like wind or solar. Ideally, this condition is fulfilled when the facility charges or retires the purchased rack within 36 months of rack's placement in service by the electricity generating facility. So in other words, we're requiring the electricity generated and charges within 36 months of windows. The second requirement is called temporal matching, which requires the racks to be linked with a electricity generated simultaneously with the facility's use of electricity, like the name mentioned, temporal matching. Ideally, hourly matching, so the exact hours of generation matches with the exact hours of usage. Although the hourly rack tracking systems are not yet mature, but we can definitely make some efforts to align them. All right, the next requirement is deliverability, which requires the renewable facilities to be located with the same balancing authority that are electrically connected. Um, it doesn't have to be the same geologic regions, but it has to be the same electric regions. For example, New York ISO, California ISO, ERCOT, or some of the examples that we review in the past, like the European Union. If those facilities who charges racks also uses grid electricities to balance the on-meat load, we definitely wanted to include the emission impact of sourcing grid electricities as well. All right, so that was the emissions from electricity, but what about the emissions from other heat input, for example, like natural gas? 
The emission impact of natural gas varies among different producers, making it very challenging to distinguish between the actual properties of natural gas once it mixed in pipelines. So there are a couple ways that we can do. The first one is that we can have a direct um, pipeline interconnections with a revenue grid metering for accurate measurement, both for the quantity and the quality used. And the second is that we can acquire relevant attribution certificates too through like a bulk and clean systems to attribute the emissions impact to a very specific gas property used. Going back to the questions of how to accurately measure the secondary impact of energy system, which is the process to show that uh, having a renewable facilities to the grid is not impacting unintentionally other part of the grid. So we want a very specific regional studies on grid mix upgrade that can help scale emission emitted from such effort. To demonstrate that the system does not induce any unintended secondary grid impacts, the project developers can do a couple of things. Uh, the first one is that they can acquire um, racks or energy attributes from a electricity generators that are prone to curtailment. We're going to talk about this just in a second. And the second is that the system it can be located in a region where pretty much all electricity, including imports, come from a low carbon emitting sources. This is the Iceland examples that we talked about, the Costa Rica example that we talked about, ensuring the additional load is met by already low emission intensive resources. And then the third one is that the system load increase only marginal and then it falls within the normal bounds of renewable curtailment in the region. We can say it's like 3%, 5%. Obviously, this number will be very um, regional specific. And then within this bond, we can safely or somewhat safely claim that we're not imposing any additional or unwanted changes to the grid. Alright, so for today's episode, we talked about how to calculate the indirect emissions for a renewable project, specifically those energy intensive ones. We talked about how to measure emissions from the materials, for the electricity, for natural gas, all the heat inputs, and talk about ways to quantify the secondary impacts from the grid. That's it for today. Until next time, bye!